This morning, uh, gosh, uh, we, we can't turn away from the fact that there's a lot of hurt in our community, that there's, um, that we got people sitting here today with family members, spouses that, are, that have been in nursing homes, that are in ICU, that this is, this is real. This is it's here, it's hitting home. Um, and, uh, and we, we've, we, we've got to stick together as the church. We got to believe, and this is, this is my final point this morning in my sermon. I'm going to give it to you at the beginning. Don't think I'm going to quit after that. <laughs> We're going to be done, but, uh, and you'll see kind of how this, this comes together. But the, the title of the sermon this morning is impossible. Um, because we're talking about uh, talking about Romans chapter four, um, and uh, some of the things that we may see as impossible in our life. One of the most difficult uh, is the verse that says that God can work all things together for His good. That's a promise, and that feels impossible. And for many of us in this moment, in this time, in this community, and what we're going through, that's something that's difficult to wrap your mind around. But it is true. It is 100% true. It doesn't mean God does bad things. We live in a broken world, and somehow he can take all this brokenness, all this mess that we brought on ourselves and use it for his good. And use it to grow our faith. That's the most important thing. Is that we grow our faith in him. Because he says our faith is more precious than gold. Um, and so that's, that's where we are today. We're in Romans chapter 4. We're, in the, we're also, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It'll probably be a different Thanksgiving than many of you have ever had. Many that, than we've ever had. Um, and uh, so we, we need to pray one for another. We need to take that next step beyond just praying and do something for people. I mean, as simple as a call, as simple as a text, as simple as thinking about our neighbor and our friends and let them know you're thinking about them. Uh, people are so isolated. Um, they, they need to know you care. And so, so make a point this week uh, to let people know you care. Pick five people here. I didn't have this written down. Pick five people that you can send a text or call and say, I appreciate you. I'm, I thank God for you. And let it be people that you normally wouldn't say that to. Like, Why are you calling me and saying this? But, well, you need to really feel that way about them. Don't you? Okay, that's important. But pick five people. Show some appreciation. Uh, there's no greater form of, uh, of, of encouragement than gratitude. When, when you show you're grateful for somebody, they will be encouraged, I can promise uh, you that. Um, so let's get into this, this, this chapter this morning. Uh, it's 25 verses. I'm not going to walk through this verse by verse. Um, I'll kind of break it down, verses 1 through 8. Uh, reminder, Paul is writing to the Romans here. We wrapped up uh, chapter 3 where he just dove right in and said, Righteousness before God is through faith alone. Faith alone is what makes you righteous. And remember, he's talking to a, a, a church that's part Jew, part Gentile, and he's really speaking to the Jews at this point. Uh, when he moves over into, into chapter 4, when he starts to give them evidence, of, he has said righteousness by faith, and now he says, let me tell you about this guy you know. Uh, wait, 
I'm going to do something. If the camera's ready, can you follow me for a minute? For the people that are streaming on, I'm going back to the piano. You might, uh, let's see here. Many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Right arm. Y'all aren't doing it. Y'all remember that? I used to do that in school, Sunday school. VBS, Father Abraham. I thought, what in the world does that mean? I don't have one dad. I don't have a grandpa. I don't have a great-grandpa named Abraham. I don't understand what that means when you sing that song, right? It's because the, the, and Paul is getting ready to dive into this with the Jews. Because they had said things to Jesus himself. In John chapter 8, verse 39, they said, Abraham is our father. And they were saying that because he was. Their biological genealogy, they could all trace their ancestry back to Abraham. And Jesus was teaching them something uh, that, that he, he goes on and says, well, if he really was your father, you'd be like him. And you would have faith like him and so Paul is bringing this back in this moment let me tell you God I, I went to went to college with uh, my first year at Pikeville College uh, I had this guy that I was in math class with and he used to walk in uh, late and uh, and back then parking was terrible there was no parking garage there was there was a, a gravel lot there that you fought for a spot there if you got it. if you lived on campus you parked somewhere on the hill um, but he used to come in late, uh, and, and I would come out of class, and he would be parked, like, on the curb, like, up on the sidewalk. And I, I, I remember thinking, uh, man, how's he getting away with this? So I started talking to him, and, and it, I come to find out that his dad was on the board of trustees at Pottville College. And he, he made sure to point that out. He's like, oh, my dad's a trustee. Uh, on the on the board here, I can park wherever I want. He's just taking the parking tickets off the the windshield wipers and you know throwing them in the glove box or the garbage, and he's doing whatever he wants. And so uh, he started out being late for class, and then he started up eventually not showing up for class. Um, and it, it it turns out um, that just because this person was his dad. At the end of the day, he had to answer for himself. It started out feeling real comfortable, and then grades started to come out, and then midterms showed up, and it just happened to be that he didn't make it back to class. Uh, I think he's doing fine now. But it made me think about this story about Father Abraham, where, where these Jews, they, they, he was their lineage, but this person that was on the board of trustees had done something with his life. 
He had lived a certain way. And just because this person was his earthly son did not mean he would gain all the benefits that he had at some point to exhibit and live like his father had lived. Paul here is telling the Jews, Abraham may be your, your earthly, in your earthly lineage. You may be able to trace your genealogy back to him. But let me tell you what is significant about Abraham. He takes them all the way back to Genesis chapter uh, 15 when he quotes in verse 3 here in Romans chapter 4. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Let me tell you something how incredible this is. This is uh, I want to I just talk about this immediate factor here. If you know the story of Abraham, I don't have time to get into it this morning, but this is, uh, this is when the, the first covenant, the promise came to Abraham when God said, go out and look up in the stars as many as you can count. I'm going to number your, your, uh, your, your descendants uh, greater than that. And Abraham says, it says that Abraham just believed God and it was counted to him immediately when he believed. Immediately when you believe in Jesus Christ, it is counted to you as righteousness. It was 13 years before Isaac was born. This was well before he had exhibited the faith where he took Isaac up on the mountain, right? This was way before any of that. All those actions that the Jews looked to him and said, look what he did, look at Abraham, look what he did, what he did, what he did. And Paul's saying, here's what he did, he believed. And everything he did stemmed from that. He believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. This is the exact verse in Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So he wants them to understand he, he, he's using their own words, right? They, they know these words inside and out. They know Genesis. These Jews know Genesis. They know Abram and Abraham. And so when he takes them back to their own verses and says, see, Abraham, let me give you an example. The one you look up to, he, his righteousness was through faith. And yours will be the same. He goes on and he, he quotes David in verse 7 and 8 uh, from the Psalms. It says, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. So let's look, as he, as he goes on down, we're going to go to verse 17, and we're going to spend some time, some time here. Because he, he's made the point to him. He said, listen, Abraham, just because he is your dad does not mean you are going to make it. You cannot get there on his accord. Your faith matters. Your faith matters. Verse uh, 17 Paul's writing, he said, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. That's him speaking to Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. And listen to this verse. The end of verse 17. For God, this is the God, 
Some of y'all need to hear this in your life. You got some dead things. You got some bad news. You got some anxiety. You got some frustrations. You got dead relationships, dead marriages. Paul says, Abraham believed God. This is the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Abraham believed in that God, the God that gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Why did Abraham need this? Verse 18, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I've held to it uh, as long as I've been preaching. It's just one of my favorites. Romans 4.18, and this is where the title of this sermon comes from this morning, Impossible. Paul said, Abraham, against all hope, in hope believed. Can we just, can we just take that as a reminder this morning? That Abraham... When looking at his circumstances and, and, and by all worldly measures, this promise that God had given him that he was going to be the father of, of many nations, that his, his descendants were going to be you know, uh, just countless, as many as the, the stars in the sky and sand grains on the beach. That what Ab- you remember what Abraham said? He's like, God, I'm, I'm almost 100 years old. I'm almost 100 years old. How, how are you going to do this? And, you know, this wonderful compliment to his wife, Sarah, he says, you know, her womb is dead. That's not a wonderful compliment. That was supposed to be funny. But that's literally what he said. God, listen, I'm almost 100, Sarah. There ain't no way she could have a kid. She's older than the hills. This is, uh, I mean, we're done. We are done. But Paul said Abraham did something uh, critically important that when he faced the impossible, when he, when he faced the things that looked like there's no way it could happen, when, when this is just physically, humanly impossible, it says in hope he believed, which is a different kind of hope. The first hope is a worldly hope. We can look at, you know, at, at, at the numbers and watch the news and see how much hope you get from there. Or we can be reminded of the truth that's in God's word and the promises that he has given us and in hope believe. You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying here, that we're, we're against it here. We're against all hope in many ways. But Abraham in hope believed. So how do we take in this moment And see what Abraham did as Paul, let's read these verses. I'm going to read from 18 uh, down to about uh, 21 or 22, I think. Let's just go with it. Romans chapter 4, let's read starting in verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. 
Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. I want to say three things real quick, and then I've got a short little video I want to share. Uh, and, then, and then we're just going to close this out with a song. And we're going to take uh, in our hearts these words that Paul wrote here in Romans chapter 4. We're going to apply it in our own lives. We're going to believe against all hope. And we're going to believe in hope. Okay? Three things here that we see that, that, that Abraham did when he was up against the impossible. And these are not rocket science. It's right here in his... In these, in these words. The first thing he did was he faced the facts. That's how it's worded in the NIV translation. If you go to a New King James uh, version, which I like both the, these versions in this verse equally as well. They get the same point across. Uh, in, in the NIV, he says, he faced the fact that his body was as good as that. He faced the fact that he could not do this on his own. And some of us aren't there yet. And some of us get there and then we back up. <laughs> some of us say, today I can't do this on my own. And then we get up on Monday morning and we start making our list of how we're going to do this on our own. Abraham, right up front, faced the fact, was honest with God, I cannot do this without you. This cannot be done. In order for this to be done, I have to trust you. The New King James Version, or King James also, I think, they, they say he considered not that his body was dead. And I like that too, because that's got fire behind it. The, the original Greek word for considered really means focused. You know your focus matters, and where you put your attention, and what you do with your time, and your thoughts really matters. Because when God's about to do things impossible in our life, you know what we like to do? We like to focus on the fact that our body is dead. As an illustration, well, that's what Abraham was, would have been tempted to do. But the Bible says he did not focus on the fact that he didn't have enough resources, that, that he'd been too bad or he'd gone too far or he'd sinned too much. Or, or you know, I've never even been to church. Uh, you know, I've, I, I, I've, been, uh, I've been an adulterer in my marriage. I've torn my marriage apart. He didn't focus on all those things are the reasons why God could not save him or do big things in his life. He said he didn't even consider any of that. He focused on the truth and the reality that God is God. And he faced the facts that he could not do it on his own. Can I get you just, uh, let's take step one and be there for a moment together that we cannot do this on our own. That we can't get through this difficult time. You can't do it on your own. <clears throat> I can't do it on my own. We can't do what we have in our heart here at this church or in Faith Life Ministries the market and the coffee shop and all the things that we're doing, we cannot do those things on our own. The second thing we see that he did 
was really forced out unbelief. <coughs> it's really easy um, in these difficult situations uh, to, to stop believing that God cares or that he loves us. But there was something here in this word that he did not waver through unbelief. That he made some effort to consistently uh, believe God. Wait, did not waver strong words, right? I wish I could live up to that expectation or, or, or that level of never wavering. This was consistent. He didn't wake up one day and think, God's got this, and wake up the next day and say, this all fell apart. I don't trust him. He was unwavering. He was consistent. He was persistent in his faith. He faced the facts. He forced out unbelief. And then there was something uh, about these words here uh, that he was fully persuaded. Faced the facts, he forced out unbelief, and he was fully persuaded. Not almost persuaded. Y'all know that old hymn, don't you? You know the the, the verse. Uh, uh, I just forgot who Jesus talked to. I think it's Herod, and he's. he's they're sharing what's happened, and it says he was almost persuaded. This is not almost. This is all in. This is today. I I I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna gamble and say, yeah, it's that that church stuff. God's probably real. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'll I'll start going. You know, it's, you've heard that argument, right? It's like, well, if we do believe and we're all wrong, what we got to lose? This is all in. This is fully persuaded that my God is the God of creation. This is the, 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 the fully persuaded that my God can deliver in every situation. Fully persuaded that God can work all the madness in my life and the mess that it is into his masterpiece. Fully persuaded that, that Jesus leaves the 99 that think they're so perfect to find the one that's rolling in the mud. And that's me, fully persuaded 100% Abraham was all in. He says this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. My, uh, my mother-in-law had been uh, talking to me. Uh, she would mentioned this week to Bethany and I about this uh, video she would seen on, on Facebook. Um, and uh, and wanted us to go watch it. And, uh, you know, as, as we think about the impossible things in our life, you, you saw the graphic I had up there. It says impossible, but it's cutting that, that M off. I want to take you from uh, looking at your situation and think it's impossible and believing this is absolutely possible. Maybe you've been praying for a child or a family member to get saved or or, or, or come out of some mess that they're in and you just feel like not praying about it anymore. You're just ready to give up. 
Or maybe you've struggled so hard with your spouse and you're trying to bring things back together and, 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 and it's just not moving forward. It feels impossible. Or maybe you're harboring so much hurt towards somebody and anger and frustration that you cannot imagine ever forgiving them. This, this story is about uh, uh, Willie Owens is his name, uh, and he's, he's part of, uh, so Adam uh, Collins, it's his family, his family, I can't remember how they're connected, he lives down in, in Paintsville, I'm going to let you hear his story, um, so we went and listened to it, and I was just, you know, it, it's, a, it's amazing how he lives out his faith in this story. Um, Long story short, he, he was in a, a lawnmower accident. He's going to talk a little bit more about it when I show the video here in a second. But ended up losing three of his limbs. He's a young guy, his early 30s. Um, and I want you to just hear uh, a, a little bit from him about what he went through and his testimony. As you think about your situation and what feels impossible. Maybe it feels impossible, uh, you know, to... To, to get through this class or school that you're in or you know, whatever it may be. God doesn't always deliver just when you want it to, right? Because when, when God made this promise to Abraham, it was years, decades later before all this came to fruition. But that's part of the faith and the confidence is that you absolutely believe God can do it and will deliver what he promises. And that if he doesn't give you what you're asking for, it's the best answer you've ever gotten. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the faith that this uh, requires. So let me, let me let you hear from, uh, from, from Willie. And then I'm going to talk just a, a minute about it. I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, my story, if you don't know it. Um, um, if you don't know, I am a triple amputee. Um, I lost both. Uh, of my legs above the knee um, and one arm, my left arm, um, due to a lawnmower accident back in June of uh, 2018, so a little over two years now. And uh, it was a pretty big struggle at the time. It was a lawnmower accident right out here behind this house. I flipped it, flipped backwards, was able to jump off of it, and... Um, you know, kind of roll out of the way and thought I was okay. Had enough time to tell everybody that was watching, which was my wife, um, my child, my, my little boy, Gideon, and uh, my mom, uh, and told them that I was okay. And then I was sprayed with gasoline uh, from the gas tank that had ruptured from the lawnmower that was beside me. And when it did that, it exploded and it set me on fire. Uh, basically, I went up like a human torch. Uh, to put it very graphically. I uh, tried to stop, drop, and roll down a hill. Uh, that doesn't really work a lot with gasoline, especially that bad. Um, was able to roll all the way to the bottom of the hill, probably uh, 50 feet, something like that. And um, then I jumped into uh, the creek behind our house and put it out. Uh, that's what saved my life uh, temporarily. Um, was able to get to the hospital at Palmy Hall. They transferred me to Cabell Huntington uh, the burn unit there, and I spent um, 
well, went there. It was the day after Father's Day. They put me on a vent because uh, the infection from the water and from just the, the open burns. Um, hi, guys. Um, I'm just seeing the comments. I'm new to this thing. Uh, I love everybody. <laughs> Thank you uh, for watching, whoever it is. Um, and um, <laughs> I'll learn how to do this, I promise. Uh, not used to actually seeing my face. It's more, uh, I'm used to radio when I don't have to look at myself. Man, I really have a face for radio, I think. <laughs> uh, ignore the pandemic here, too, while we're at it. But anyway, so I spent two months in the burn unit, the first month of which was on a ventilator because of the infection and how bad it got. Um, uh, from what I was told, uh, it looked pretty bad. I think there for probably about a month, I was uh, told, my family was told that I was the sickest person in, in Cabell Huntington. And that's a pretty big hospital, so that's a pretty big deal. Wasn't sure I was going to make it. Actually, they said I had a 115% chance of death. That's pretty good odds. <laughs> yeah, so I really don't know. Um, I can't have a, there's no scientific explanation uh, to why I'm here. Um, now, there may be a spiritual explanation, and you, and I, I truly believe there is. I believe that, uh, uh, you know, I was there for a miracle. I don't necessarily, I'm not a miracle person. Uh, I'm, there's nothing special about me, but I was able to, uh, for whatever reason, uh, be there for the miracle. Yeah. Um, it was kind of funny because um, my mom and my wife, uh, who I think is watching, <laughs> um, was had this big plan. They were going to have my family, all my family that was there in with the psychiatric team from the hospital and all this to let me when they told me that I was missing all my limbs because I had no idea and they were worried about how I would react and things like that well when I did uh, when I woke up that was one of the first things I noticed was my left hand was missing because I was left-handed and um, I looked over at my mom, who was the only one in the room at the time, and I said, Mom, where did my left hand go? Well, her uh, and the nurse, uh, he was, there was a nurse in there uh, by the name of Jack, and he was in there, and he just kind of lowered his head, and Mom did too, and then Mom ended up having to be the one to tell me. She didn't think that was real funny, but looking back on it, I said, you know, it was a plan that we had, and with, with me, it seems like plans never go the way they're supposed to go, uh, because I went, uh, mowed the lawn thinking there was not going to be anything happen. And, you know, I had plans to do other things the next day because it was Father's Day and all that. Then that didn't work out. So then I got to the hospital, thought we were going to get some bandages and sent home. I was going to be in pain for a while, but that's going to be all right. That, was, that plan didn't work out either because I ended up on the vent. And then I wake, I wake up and I'm missing all my limbs. So that plan didn't go as as we had planned either so uh you know we were getting used to it but uh at the time uh when we found out about it you know i kind of looked at her and i said well that stinks <laughs> because you know what else do you say to that i really don't know uh everybody was looking at me like are you okay are you sure you're okay and i thought well yeah uh, it, it has to be okay because there's nothing we can do to change it. I can't go back and fix it. 
it's not going to grow back. So I got to get on living life. Uh, and that's really what um, I tried to do. And now there were low moments. And it was a very, very hard um, situation to go through because I went through two hours of debriefings every day and debriefings on the limbs that uh, at the time did not have uh, grafts on them. So it was kind of like raw and they cleaned them for two hours every day and it would hurt. And I'm going to be honest, it hurt so bad that I would take a washcloth and bite it and, and as they did it and it hurt. Now, I'm not saying that to make myself pump myself up, make myself look big, because I'm not. I suffered. I cried. It hurt. I got a couple more clips here I want you to see as he kind of wraps up his story. But uh, I scrolled down his Facebook page, and he had this one thing he had shared, and it was this military person that had was missing limbs. And he said, people always ask me, you know, how are you so positive with, you know, all with no limbs? And his response was, how are you so negative with all of yours? Well, this guy reminds me of that, right? I mean, he's more positive than, than me. And, uh, and, and so that the source of that is his faith. And I spent a month there. Now, that's a long time to a lot of people. But I can tell you that it was, oh, it could have been a lot worse. Because when I first woke up, they were, I asked them, how long do you think I'll be in this hospital? And they said, well, if everything goes good, uh, you're looking at being here in the burn unit for 12 to 15 months. I left in two months. Again, is that part of the miracle? I, I truly believe it is. Uh, so I spent the rest of, of, of the holiday season, <laughs> much like the same holiday season that we're getting into now, uh, in a bed. I ate Thanksgiving dinner in a bed. I ate Christmas dinner in the bed, I opened uh, Christmas gifts in the bed, I watched uh, my son and daughter open their presents from the bed, um, and was it the best situation? No, it was not. It was a, it was one of those moments when I absolutely wanted more than anything to stand up just for life to I watched my children laugh and play and get any one of those smiles that they get through the holidays and when they came to see me. But something was missing. I wasn't able to get down to the floor. I wasn't able to, to, to play with them the way I wanted to. Uh, you know, because I, I was always in the floor wrestling with, with them and, you know, and just having a good time. Um, but it wasn't that way and it wasn't going to be that way for a while and I and I had to come to terms with that and that was one of the hardest things that I've ever done uh, uh, things again plans didn't go as they seem and I apologize for the thing that, that I had to go through it was tough and again I'm not pumping myself up because it was not uh, me I, I worked hard but other people helped me just as much as I did and was able to get up get in the chair, long story short, and, and kind of started moving around. Got a, got a uh, van that allows me to go pretty much anywhere I need to go. My wife does drive me everywhere I go, and I love her so much for doing that, putting up with everything that I put her through. Um, so there is that. Um, and 
you know, it's been a struggle. I've started working on getting my legs. A lot of you know that. You've seen some pictures, some videos of me at physical therapy uh, working with that. I just recently got my second set of legs uh, sockets. They're a different uh, type of socket. Uh, maybe I'll post a picture of them later if I haven't already. I don't I remember. love this right here. Uh, but they're starting to uh, get longer. I'm working on my legs. Um, I'm waiting on a walker to, to walk, and I've been able to take steps. Uh, you know, they told me I wasn't going to live, and I've been able to take steps. I've, I've told, they told me I wasn't going to walk. I told them, watch this. <laughs> I will walk. I will get through this. Um, they told me uh, they weren't sure if I was ever going to get a hand uh, because of the difficult uh, amputation that they had to go through. Well, if you notice today, see all the little blue marks that I've got on my arm? There's some up here. Can't really see them, I guess. But that means that they've, uh, they've uh, casted my arm. They marked it up. They measured it. They sent off my cast today to start working on my arm. And I'm going to get that. Now, is it going to be perfect? Probably not, because, you know, no plan that I have ever comes out to the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I've come to understand that, but it's going to work out. And it's all going to be in due time. Patience is very important. And How many of you in your situation in your life are staring at it and saying, watch this? Weren't those two words powerful? When they told him he wasn't going to watch the face he makes. He's fully persuaded. He's forced out unbelief. He's faced the facts that he can't do it on his own. He trusts God and absolutely believes he is able to do the impossible. Yet at the same time, he's patient and he's understanding that if it doesn't work out, my plans always never go like I think, but I'm going to trust God in the situation. So I want us to get there this morning to where we stare the devil in the face, acknowledge we can't do this on our own, but tell him, watch this. Watch our God. Watch what he can do. Watch what he's able to do. Because there's one thing we think that might be impossible right now, and that's to have peace. <laughs> right? It's hard to find peace in our day-to-day. -day. But before, in a preview of next week, chapter 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. It is possible. It is absolutely possible. Verse 3 of chapter 5 says, Not uh, only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Whatever it is that you're in in this moment, whatever it is that feels impossible, whatever's put you against all hope, let's be like Abraham and in hope believe. I'm going to play one song here as we stand and we worship this song. Uh, as you know, We've had our own struggles in, in, in my own family. and um, This is a song that Rosie, my little girl, she's uh, almost 11. Let's see, she could tell me. Eight days. 
Eight days she'll be 11. Uh, this is something we've been playing as we've been facing difficult things uh, in our own situations, and, and we've been dancing to it. All right? Y'all don't have to start dancing, but I might. Because this song says, uh, I'm going to believe in God to do what he is famous for. And so I want you to just hear these words. I want us to just anchor down on what immediately changed Abraham's situation. He believed. You can immediately change your situation today by believing. If you've never given your heart to Christ, if you've never surrendered it all to him, all this sounds impossible. That, that all the guilt could go away, that you could be forgiven for all that you've done, that you don't have to have start going to church and then try to get better, that he can just immediately in your situation, it, it, your life can be changed, a new beginning can start in a moment, in the moment that you believe. I invite you to do that this morning. Let's just enjoy this song together. Faithfulness, he's our fortress. You came in here this morning against all hope. You're watching this morning and you feel like you're against all hope. His faithfulness waits. He is a fortress, a protector. He can do the impossible. Absolutely. He has proven it over and over. He's asking you and me to believe it's that simple. To put our faith and trust in Him. To lay ourselves down. Put all our confidence in Him. In you, God, I believe. In you. Make way through the waters, walk me. 
I'm going to believe he's going to do that in your situation. They make way through the waters, walk you through the fire, shut the mouths of lions, bring dead things to living, bring into existence things that don't exist. I think back, I've seen so many times he's done it in our ministry since we started this church. Felt in my heart him speaking, say, you all need to be downtown, right downtown. And me saying, why? That doesn't make sense. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to be? And yet here we are. Telling me, speaking to my heart, saying, Faith Life Ministries, Faith Life Market, you, you, need, you need to start something to help people live out their, their faith in me. And we said, but where, but where? I was thinking, where are we going to do it? How's that going to work out? And here we have the space. He provided the resources, the people, like every time. And so the morning that Bethany and I just prayed and we said, do it. When we faced the facts that we can't pull this off and we prayed together, God, do it. And by the end of the day, God had sent almost $20,000 to start Faith Life Ministries. I mean, these are the things he is... He is absolutely capable for all things are possible through Christ Jesus, which strengthens us. This morning, let's believe that with all we have, but be reminded to trust regardless, because I've made lots of plans. The proverb says, in the heart of man, we make our plans, but God directs our steps. Let's trust him. God, we thank you for this time this morning. God, we thank you that you part the waters, you bring us through fire. God, some of us are face to face with it right now in this moment in very real situations, life-threatening situations, family-threatening situations. God, we're going to leave with this, this attitude, this confidence, fully persuaded. We're staring the devil in the face right now and saying, watch this. Watch what my God is going to do. God, we trust you. We trust you with our salvation. We trust you with our life. We know that once you give us new life, you give us purpose in you to do good things. And we want to live that out and serve you in the greatest capacity. And be with the people. Be in the hospitals, the people working front lines. God, we just pray that you let us, you guide our hearts and show us how we can tangibly help and be present in these situations beyond just our prayers. God, we love them and care for them and trust you and work all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, no midweek Bible study this week. Uh, I want to wish everyone in here a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. Uh, no matter what circumstance you are in in life, we can be thankful for Jesus, for his love, for the peace we can have with God. And let's take that uh, into Thursday with us. Um, We'll be back here next Sunday morning, and uh, we'll continue to worship and dig into this book of Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 5 next week. Do your homework. Go ahead and read it, and uh, let's find the peace of God. Amen.
Amen. All right. Have a wonderful week.